Welcome to Let's Thrive the Podcast, a place for holistic storytelling with none of the BS and a whole lot of fun. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and my mission is to interview guests that inspire, educate, and empower you to live your best life. In these stories, you'll see a part of your own journey reflected in theirs and learn to grow from it. And with that said, let's thrive. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast, and I'm your host, Emily Feichels. Thank you guys, as always, for stopping in, listening again. I know the podcast has been going through some changes and we're down to one episode a week, but I'm just trying to make them be a bit more intentional, a bit more focused, and I hope they're providing you just as much value as ever before. That being said, there's a whole hell of a lot of episodes before all these that you can go back, listen to. I love when you reach out on Instagram and you're sharing or you're just discussing an old episode with me because to me, it feels like it's so far in the past, but I know I personally love, like when I find a podcast or it's just a podcast I love, I will go back and listen to old episodes because, I don't know, I mean, if the topic and the guest interest you, then there's nothing old about it, nothing outdated there besides these intros, which can, you know, sort of screw things over. Uh, And that being said, my in real time, a real life update for you all. As you know, I'm here in Austin. I've got my new job serving, doing all this sort of stuff on the side. And I actually had some funny, not funny, I don't know, maybe humorous, good stories to share at least when it comes to food and managing this new work schedule of mine. And it's something I discuss in today's episode with my dear friend, Danny from Danny's Healthy Eats. She's been on the podcast before. You all loved her as much as I do. We love her. So she's back and I'm so excited. Anyway, what I wanted to share is that with this new job, you know, I'm serving. And there are times where, you know, it's like a seven or eight hour shift and you're not getting any time to eat. I usually have my water bottle and I'm guzzling, you know, drinks between, between, I was about to say patients, oh my god, between tables. But besides that, like it's, it's rough. You know, it's just a rough job on the body. And sometimes I'm doing these double shifts and you don't get any breaks all day. Then you get a one hour break in a 15 hour shift and you're ravenous and you eat. And so what I'm trying to say is that it's not ideal, right? Like that's not ideal or well for anybody to be going so long, you know, without food or proper nourishment, however that looks for you. And then as someone who's had a past with disordered eating, like It's just, it's a big mind fuck, you know, I'm not going to lie there. And what's been interesting though, is that it's really taught me, showed me, exposed me to a lot. For instance, and you'll hear me explain this in the episode, when I'm done working these late night shifts, right, I come home and it's like, I don't know, usually 1030 or 1130 and I am ravenous. And in the past, my instinct would be to just not eat right? Because it was too late. If I wanted to eat breakfast in the morning, I couldn't eat then, yada, yada, all that diet culture shit that does not need to be taking up our mental space. But what's been interesting and shows me a sign of growth is that I, you know, instead have, instead of following that urge to just not eat and to just go to sleep, um, I've been honoring my body by eating, by allowing myself to nourish myself before falling into a very peaceful and relaxing sleep. For anyone that struggles with sorted eating, 
um, as you know, insomnia can be a huge part of it. Why? Because if we're starving ourselves all day or before bed or whenever it is, our body can't fully relax. It can't restore. It can't function. And so there's nothing wrong with eating before bed. Like if anything, like it's going to help you have a hell of good sleep. It has been for me. But anyway, why I'm going on this little tangent rant here is because it was just so freeing for me to realize like I can come home and eat, right? Like it, the first few times it almost felt like I was not binging, but just like kind of going way over the top. And I think it's because in my mind, you know, it had kind of been like, oh, work, 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 work. When I get home, I'm going to sleep. I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to sleep because I'm so tired. But instead I'd get home and I'd kind of look in the fridge and be like, you know what? I am going to eat. And because of that, you know, I just got a bit excited because that's what happens when you're in a scarcity or restrictive mindset is that the moment you allow yourself to have that bit of freedom, that that just moment to let go and allow yourself to follow your body's cues, it can feel a bit overwhelming. It can feel like you just want to keep going. All these things, that's perfectly normal. It happens. And so now after having this happen for about two weeks, it's gotten to the point where I don't come home and I'm just like, let's devour everything in the fridge and freezer because I've been starving all day long. No, now it's let's let's make a meal that feels good, right? So maybe that's some toast, maybe it's a full meal, maybe it's soup, maybe it's a brownie sundae. I've literally done all of these at like 11.30 in the past week, so. <laughs> and the last thing I want to note with that is that you know, by me sharing my crazy work schedule and the fact that I'm not getting to eat, it's not me saying like, go do that yourself, go restrict, any of that shit. You guys know that. It's me just trying to show another facet of life where it's like, sometimes we're not in control, right? Of having snacks available or of having the food we want to eat or any of that. Sometimes you do just have to do these hard and challenging things and do your best to respect yourself, respect your, you know, 360 wellness, respect your mindset along the way. And this is just my way of doing that. So that's just a story, you know, I wanted to share. If you're someone who struggles, maybe it's with a work schedule, a school schedule, or whatever it is, you have these food fears or these food rules that are just really affecting you or they're kind of, you know, tampering with your life in some way. This is just my reminder to you that we all face those and that you can work through them. You can do this. And so hopefully that helps you out if you are feeling some sort of way right now. Now stay tuned because we've got a whole heck of a lot more of that to come with this episode with Danny. I'm not going to give too much away. It's just, oh, so good. We discuss what it really is like to have these setbacks and these moments in recovery that can feel like a setback how to keep going, how to move forward, what it's like to share so openly on Instagram and then suddenly not know how to feel about that. Uh, We discuss food fears and food rules and just breaking down these small moments in our days that really mean so much more than we give give acknowledgement to. So stay tuned. Let us know what you think. Let us know what's happening for you right now. Are you struggling in recovery? Are you doing well? Are you still toying with the idea of even do I have disordered eating? Just, you know, whatever floats your boat, let us know. We would love to connect. Danny is on Instagram at Danny's Healthy Eats. And I'm on there at Emily Feichels and at Let's Thrive Podcast. We would love to connect. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have just a moment, 
It would mean oh so much if you could leave a rate and review for the show or subscribe so that it shows up in your inbox every time there's a new episode. And you can always share with a friend or share on IG. Helps the podcast grow, helps others find it, and always makes me smile to see it. So I appreciate you all. And without further ado, let's begin. But yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about Instagram and how we've just both been sort of taking a bit more time away and really prioritizing that, like that time off of, yeah, off of social media, offline. So like what kind of prompted you to start doing that, I suppose? I think at the beginning of quarantine, um, it was like, you know, just a whole lot of unknown. And around that time, Thomas and I were supposed to move down to San Diego. And then because of COVID, um, like our plans completely changed. We ended up having to move back to Washington. We were staying at my parents' house with our dogs in a like little bedroom, no space to ourselves. Thomas was traveling all the time for moving. And I, I don't know, it, I got to a point where I kind of felt like just very overwhelmed with everything. And I think everyone can relate to that um, to some degree. And so it kind of triggered some old habits and thoughts and all that kind of stuff. And so, I mean, to be quite frank, it brought up a lot of like past ED, I don't want to say behaviors, but definitely like thoughts. And I never thought that I would get back to that super dark place that I was once in ever again, because I, you know, I considered myself like recovered, even though I don't think what I'll ever fully be recovered. I think that it's always going to be something that like I'm working on and that I have to consciously be like aware of, but I did get sort of like back to that place, at least mentally, not physically, but mentally. And I don't know, it's, it was kind of, I felt really like confused as to my place on Instagram and like the community, when I first started, I honestly think that like finding other girls who were like talking about, you know, their eating disorders and their recovering, all that kind of stuff really like saved me. And it was always so nice to come on. And like, if I was having a bad day, seeing somebody else talk about like their struggles and just knowing you're not alone and you know, all of that. And I think that that is so amazing that it's becoming such a huge community and everyone's so like open and talking about it. But for me, getting back to that like scary place, it was like so mentally and physically exhausting. And then to have it always on my mind and then to have this platform that's supposed to be my creative outlet that I'm always so excited to get onto and to get on. And then to like, that's all I'm reading and consuming. So it was like on top of what I was already feeling. And it's like, yeah, of course this content is supposed to make me feel better. But I think it was just, just constantly being around talking about that. You know what I mean? Yes. I like, I relate to that so, so deeply. And in the beginning, when you brought up that feeling of overwhelm from Instagram, before you went into, you know, everything else, I like the first thought that came to my mind is yes, I feel that overwhelm. And, you know, I think so many of us feel that overwhelm with Instagram or work or life, whatever. But I think what the difference is, is if you're someone like us who has had a past with disordered eating or diet culture, any of those things, that feeling of overwhelm can quickly spiral or just quickly turn towards those like previous thoughts or habits. Right. And it's not like you're doing like a complete relapse, you know, it's not like you're back in that very exact space you were before, but like these things can come up again. Right. And I think there's like 
I don't know. Like when it comes to Instagram for me, I feel similarly where, as you said, being around all of that, like it has its benefits, but it also can be like a bit much. And then also, I don't know how you feel, but like, for me, it got to the point where I was like, is posting about food as much as I'm posting about it helping me? Or is it like, is it really like working against me? You know what I mean? Like, I don't even know. It's, it's a tricky question, I think. Exactly. And then I felt torn too, because, you know, Instagram is honestly the first place that I was ever vocal about my struggles. And that did like a 180 for my entire life. Like everything looked up from there. Once I started sharing about my eating disorder and like just, you know, struggles in general. And so getting to this place where I, I did feel very overwhelmed, I think again, too, is because like, I couldn't grasp control of what was going on in my life. And that's like the one thing, you know, that you can always kind of control. So I think that's all, it always stems from that. But I felt like confused because I was like, okay, you know, my Instagram isn't just about recovery. Like I, you know, I love sharing recipes. It's like my favorite pastime and I have so much fun, like, you know, creating like healthy treats and showing others that like, they don't have to be cut out and you can totally have dessert every day, whatever. But at the same time, I love sprinkling in tidbits of like, you know, how I healed my relationship with food and all that. So I felt torn in like this space. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm more than just recovery, but I'm also more than just recipes. And I do get messages from girls saying how helpful it is to hear like bits and pieces of my story and how I got better. But at the same time, I was like sick of talking about it, you know? Sorry. I, I legitimately put peanut butter cookies in the oven right before we started talking. So I had to get those out. <laughs> That's so, funny. so on brand for me. Um, but no, I, I feel you. And I think like it gets to this point and I think many people could relate where when you're going through something hard and you initially start sharing about it, it is that like that freedom of what's the saying. I always forget it, but it's like shame can't live. Like when you speak aloud, I'm butchering it, but you know what I mean? Like the idea yeah. of when you hold something within and it's like shameful, whatever like that, like it just bruise and like, it doesn't get better, but when you can like share it, release it, like put it out into the world, like that's when growth can start to happen. And I think like we all experience that at some point. And for many of us, it's when we start our Instagrams and we start sharing for the first time. But like after a while, it almost feels like, I don't know, like when you start to grow out of that, it feels weird to continually speak about it. You know what I mean? And like, I just feel like sometimes it almost puts me back in that mindset when I'm really not in it as much anymore. Exactly. And I think too, like, I think my biggest downfall is that I'm so, so, so hard on myself in every aspect of my life. And it's something that I'm always trying to work on. But, you know, we all know no journey, whatever it is, whether it's disordered eating or like, you know, whether you struggle with anxiety, whatever, it's never like, you know, this straight line, you're going to have your ups and your downs and your good days and your bad days. But for me, it's really hard to like not get super down on myself and not get frustrated with myself and not just like completely let that affect my mood and like my thoughts of myself. It's hard to like let myself feel the feels and know that that it's completely normal to have setbacks sometimes. And by treating myself the way that I do at times, you know, it just makes it even harder. And then you get to this point where you're like, it's constantly on my mind. And then I get on Instagram and it's all I see. And then I'm hard on myself because the comparison kind of comes in where you're like, all these people are thriving and living and I'm over here like silently suffering but at the same time trying to be like this positive light in the community so like being torn on whether to talk about it or not because I don't want to be negative in an already negative world but I also want to be 
real. It's just, I don't know. It's so taxing. Yeah. I mean, it's a situation where it's really like two sides of the coin. And I was just going to ask you before you mentioned that last bit there, like, do you struggle to be open about sharing like the hard times too? Because, you know, you are in a position where people are looking up to you and they're following along. And I feel the same way where it's like, I've had my fair share of setbacks ever since quarantine started too. And it's only been in the last like two months that I've even voiced them aloud through this podcast because it's scary. One, when you've sort of built a platform based on your recovery journey and all of a sudden you're like, whoops, Daisy, I'm thinking this again. And I'm sort of like experiencing these previous habits, whatever they are. And then also just knowing that like people look to you for like, you know, inspiration or guidance, whatever it is in this journey. And it's so tricky because you don't know, like, do I sort of not share the hard stuff because I don't want to like discourage others or do I be real? Like, I don't know. I feel like either way, it just, it feels like you're letting somebody down or you're letting yourself down in a sense, you know? Yeah. I think that just goes back to like, you're never going to make everybody happy. Like you're never going to be everyone's cup of tea. Someone's always going to have something to say, but like I can 100% wholeheartedly say that like I stay so authentically true to myself on Instagram and I'm just myself. Like I really try to just, you know, post what I want to post, not think too much about it, say what I want to say in hopes that like, even if it's just one person as corny and cliche as that sounds, like that really does mean something to me to get a message from someone and saying, you know, like I struggle and like, you've been like such inspiration to me. Like that literally fuels my like soul. Like I can't even explain it. And so I don't ever want to act like I'm perfect and that I'm at this place where like, I don't struggle and I don't have hard times, especially in quarantine and COVID and everything. I think it's especially hard. And I think that even more people are suffering from any sort of mental illness really, um, to some degree, I think it's important to share and to show that like, you know, even as a personal trainer, I still struggle with intuitive movement sometimes. And I catch myself falling into old habits of like, you know, checking my watch and seeing how many steps I've had. And if I haven't hit a certain number, you know, I have that thought in the back of my head, like, girl, go on a walk or, you know, and it's like, really? Like, you know, you got to just kind of put yourself in check sometimes. And um, that can be hard. And it's very humbling, I guess, to have to admit that. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I at first didn't want to share because I kind of felt like a fraud, you know? So for instance, like as a trainer, like I still struggle with intuitive movement, but you know, dentists need dentists and therapists need therapists. And I'm just human. That's the most relatable thing. You know, that's the one thing we all have in common. So yeah, I don't know. I want to be more open about it because I would never want someone to be struggling or to fall back or to have, you know, setbacks and then be as hard on themselves as I am on me. Cause that just absolutely breaks my heart. And I mean, when it comes to that intuitive movement piece, you know, just, I understand completely what you're saying. And then from my perspective, like, I think it's wonderful that as a personal trainer, you even consider intuitive movement. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. and that's just another way of, it's like, from your perspective, you just see it as like, oh, I'm failing quote unquote, you know, with intuitive movement as a personal trainer. And then from my perspective, I'm like, oh, that's amazing. Cause I've had personal trainers. I've seen them where intuitive movement is probably something they would laugh off. Do you know what I mean? Like instead it's like burn more, do more, like let's oh, kick your sure. ass in the gym. So like, it's just so funny. Like that perspective of, you know, from my view, it's like, Oh, that's amazing. And then from you, it's like, Oh, I'm really struggling with this or not really struggling, but you know, I'm, I'm struggling with it right now. And 
I think that does go just go to show, like you said before, we're all a work in progress. Like we'll have moments where things are easy and we'll have moments where things are hard. And I think like that's what recovery teaches a lot of us, right? Like when things get hard to just keep going because no one's ever said that recovery is easy. You know what I mean? Like it takes a lot of work, whether physical, but mainly like the mental side of things. And so I think that's just like another example of the moments when you've got to keep like pushing through to get to that like end result that you want, which is food freedom and, you know, the ability to go out on a date with your loved one and not worry about food or the ability to choose walking instead of running, you know, know, whatever it is, like, doing that hard work to get to that end result that you really do want. Exactly. I think too, just to touch on this a little bit, because I know that people probably can 100% relate to this. Um, I'm also dealing with amenorrhea again. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) again, that's something that I get really down on myself about because I'm like, you've worked so hard to get to this point. And, you know, again, I look at it as a setback, but I got to give myself some grace, but I'm working towards you know, recovering my cycle and all of that. And with that comes a little bit of weight gain, which I don't care who you are. If you are in a position where you have to gain weight, like, yeah, sure. It sounds easy, but like mentally it's not (laughs) like just to put it, you know, very like blank. It's not. And it is a little bit of a mind. I don't want to curse, but you know, you can curse. No, I usually do all the time anyway. (laughs) Yeah. It's a mind fuck. It really does. It It really, really messes with me. And it's hard to look in the mirror and like, you know, you notice you're your own worst critic. So you notice everything about yourself and it's hard to like look in the mirror and be 100% okay. Like knowing, you know, yeah, I've put on some weight, but it's just, you know, that constant reminding yourself, like you're doing it for a reason. It's good for you. I don't know. It's, it's such a, like, I could talk about this for hours. <laughs> it's so crazy to me. And I think this is a lot of like the mental illness side of things. You want to gain weight for your health. I want to gain weight for my, even, you know, physical appearance. Like I want my booty back. I want, you know, some muscle on me. And at the same time you have like the other side that's like pulling you like, no. So it's kind of like you want it so bad, but like your mind's like tugging you back in a way. And like, that's what I always try to explain to people who don't understand what it's like to have an eating disorder, because it's not as simple as just like, oh, just eat more you know, or like, why is it so hard? And it's like, trust me, like, I wish I could just show you like how hard it really is. Like the battle going on in my brain all the time, but I don't know anyone in, in this, you know, disordered eating or eating disorder space, I'm sure can relate to that mental battle of just, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. No, I mean, that is it. Exactly. You nailed, like you nailed it. And what we were saying before about how like recovery is hard, but it's worth it is that idea of, yeah, like no one, I think, in my opinion, truly wants to be counting other calories and restricting food and cold all the time and super tiny thin. Like, it's, oh my God, it is a mental, yeah, no, it like, it, I'm it, so you, sorry, but your girl's always cold and it is so miserable. Yeah. Washington right now, it's like the high of like 49. And I'm like, I literally am on a walk and I'm like, my bones hurt. I'm like, this is not okay. No, like I, I literally am going to look like the Michelin man for the next eight months. (laughs) Oh my, well, I, you'll look like Michelin man. And then I have bad circulation. So I just have like, my hands go, my hands lose all blood flow and turn into like, they turn like pure white, like all blood quits going to my fingers. So I'll walk around looking like some exotic (laughs) 
<laughs> person and you'll be Michelin man. No, but like, it's, it's like, care. so true. Like when you start to identify like what all the negative impact of disordered eating, it's like, why the fuck would I ever want that? And that's the thing is that nobody fundamentally wants those things. No. Ed, it's like, that's the mental illness side of things of it's like, what we think we want is like this perfect body or to lose this weight or to whatever it is. Like we have one thing that we think we want and then it's like everything else that comes with it. We just don't even see. And I think it goes to that idea of what you were saying there. Yes. I want to gain weight asterisk, but there's all these other things pulling at you. And I'm in the same boat right now where I, yeah, I got my period back in May, June and I was going to share it. And then before I even could went away again, because over the summer, like just the stress of like working multiple jobs, everything, like I did lose weight again, not even trying. I just lost it. Um, and then with that, and then with the stress, like my period went away again. And now in the last month, I'd finally been like, okay, Emily, like, I think you do need to let your body rest more. You might need to gain some weight to like get that back. And I definitely have been, and it's been hard. Like you said, like you see your body changing and one moment you're like, yeah, I love it. Like looking good. And then the next moment you're like, wow, I've gained weight. And then like, and you Mm -hmm. just go back and forth and it is, it's such a mind fuck. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard. And I think, you know, thankfully when you can get to a space where I think you and I, you know, are where it's like, we understand fundamentally what we need and we understand fundamentally what we want, which is to return our period and to just like feel better and have that mental clarity free from disordered eating again. And now it's like, just what steps can we take to get there? Which is what I think like a lot of people are in right now, right? Like we know what we fundamentally need to do. We know what we really want, but it's like, how do we get past these mental blocks that we've developed over the years from diet culture and from disordered eating? You know, like they just keep us stuck in that past life of ours, I suppose. Oh no, totally. And just touching on that, I've noticed just in the past and then, you know, the past couple of months that I've been struggling a little extra for me, when I'm in those dark times, I find myself like isolating myself, which is, I think, you know, very common when people struggle Mm -hmm. with this. But I also find like, I don't crave to do like my hobbies. Like I don't, you know, like I'm super passionate about skateboarding. It's like a huge part of my life. And when I get into those dark times, like I don't ever feel like going out and skating or like, I don't ever feel like painting or being creative or anything like that. And lately, just in the past, like two weeks, I've been stepping back from Instagram a little bit and just not being on my phone quite as much. And like kind of forcing myself to go do those things that I love that are outside of food and outside of thinking and talking about disordered eating. And that has been like, so, so helpful. Just finding my passions again, outside of just food. I think that's huge. And that's something that when people tell, like when they ask me, like, how did you do it? Like, what are some steps that you take to, you know, get better? I always say, try and find a hobby, find a passion, find something that distracts you. Like if you're feeling really, really overwhelmed, go and do whatever it is that like just takes your mind. I mean, it sounds corny, but like whether it's reading or going on a walk or like whatever can kind of like take you away for a little bit. And for me, that is, you know, skateboarding. Like I can go and skate with my dogs and my friends and it like, I'm not thinking about it. But if I were to just stay at home and isolate myself, it's just on my mind. Yep. Oh, that is like, so I did an episode for anyone listening. It's back probably like 20 episodes. It's with Erin Morsi and it's on shifting focus and recovery. And she said the same thing. 
where when she was really starting her recovery journey, when she made the most growth was when she quit obsessing over like just the day-to-day routine of this is my workout. This is my food. I need to make this. I need to do that. And instead, like she got excited about building her business, which is now flourishing. And she got excited about like these other things so that she wasn't constantly thinking about her body and food. And I relate in that sense where it was like, And I think that's where a lot of this happened for us in quarantine, right? Like we were suddenly home with nothing to do, especially in the beginning when work was a lot slower for most of us, or we were laid off or whatever it was. Like we had all this extra time to think. And of course it's going to food and it's going to our bodies. And like, for me, I've seen the biggest growth lately with this move because I'm, I have so many things happening right now that like, I don't have time to worry about the food I'm eating. Like I'm eating a brownie sundae at midnight when I get home from work. You know what I mean? Like I I do not have time to give a fuck about how many vegetables I'm eating in a day or if my meals are quote unquote balanced. And the same for exercise. Like I'm at the point now where it's like, I have to choose some days. Like I, I choose to go for a walk because I have to get the dog out and I don't have time for a workout. And like, I don't know, it's so freeing when you totally. get to where like you are able to choose like work or hobbies or family or friend time over those previous like obsessive moments of what am I making for dinner? What am I making for lunch? Um, what am I doing to work out? Like it kind of forces you out of those moments, right? Like oh, yeah. it's hard to get out of those obsessive like mindsets, but if you have hobbies or work or other things in your life that are forcing you to eat at new hours of the day or to eat new foods or to have to skip a workout so that you have time to get to work or to sleep, whatever it is. Like, I feel like that can be so beneficial in a sense. Totally. And just touching on like the whole moving and everything. Cause I recently moved. I used to always like the people that were like, Oh, I, you know, forgot to eat today. I was like, you're a fucking liar. Like who yeah. forgets to eat, you know, <laughs> but literally like I experienced that. Like I remembered like just cause I was doing the move all by myself. Uh, well, for the most part, I remember like sitting down and being like, yo, I haven't eaten all day today like, what? I'm that person right now. Like what? Mm-hmm. Never thought that would happen, but no, I totally agree. And I don't Wait, know about- real, real quick, real quick on that part. And for anyone listening, like that, what she's saying there, like, that's not about like, Oh, I skipped meals. That's about like, when you're someone who's come from disordered eating and you're thinking about your next meal, as you're eating your current meal, the fact that I can go you know, a 12 hour shift without thinking about my meals. And that Danny could go that long without thinking about a meal. It's like, that's not like, oh, restriction. That's like, that's like mind mind freedom. Yeah. Your mind's just elsewhere. You're able to put that focus on something other than like you said, your next meal. Yeah. And that's that is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just wanted to like touch on that for anyone. No, that's so important. Thinking of it in that way. Yeah. But yeah, continue. (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know about you too, but like, you know, as a recipe developer, like that's a huge part of, you know, my life, my Instagram, everything. And so again, like struggling and then like going onto Instagram and that's all you see. And then you're just like constantly around food, making food, having it everywhere. Like, I don't know. I just think it's so important to get yourself out of that environment if it is a struggle for you. And like I said, just back to the hobbies, just taking yourself elsewhere, taking your mind elsewhere. It's a game changer. Yeah. And it is so true where Instagram can be you know, just with everything, there's the good and the bad in it. There's two sides to everything. And with Instagram, it's the same where sometimes it is like you go on and you see the post 
that just reminds you to like give yourself grace with food or your body. And, you know, in that case, Instagram is such a positive place and it allows you to share and, you know, be supported. And then there are days where like I get on and I'm just not feeling too great. And then, you know, like a post pops up and suddenly I'm so like down low about my body Mm -hmm. or, you know, recipes pop up and I'm like, wow, like I should be making something like a bit quote unquote healthier, like whatever it is. So it's just like, I think being aware of like, what's your mindset on that day, right? Like is today a day where you need to just take a break from Instagram because you're in a low place or are you in an okay mindset where you can go on and not let other people's posts like influence you in a negative way? Like, I think it's just about like being mindful of what can you handle, you know, like day to day and just taking it that way too. Exactly. I think that goes back to like, me struggling with kind of feeling like finding my place on Instagram. Cause you know, like I said, I don't ever, like, I want to be real and share my struggles, but at the same time, I don't want to be like repetitive and like sharing the negatives all the time. Like sometimes it's nice to just go on and be like, Hey guys, happy Thursday. Here's some chocolate. Have a good day. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard when it's like, you feel like Instagram in a way saved you, but then at the same time, it can be a little triggering, but again, that's just real life. And I don't know. I just got to mindfully consume the content that you're creating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Cannot formulate that that sentence. (laughs) No, you're okay. I love it. We've been on a roll. Yeah. And I guess I just kind of wanted to ask for anyone who's sort of like struggling right now or anything, would you mind sharing? Like if there was just like one or two thoughts or habits that had like come up for you and you're just like working to really like work through them again, if that makes sense. So I'll share like for me, one that came up was just like certain food fears. And for me, it's been about like, I took like a quote unquote break from them. And then now it's about in the last month or two, just really starting to embrace them again and just not caring, like working through that fear with them again. And so I'm just curious if you could share like one or two things that had popped up for you. Um, and maybe you worked through them or you're still working through them just so people can once again, like be exposed to some of these like little things that can pop up in your life. If you know what I mean. (laughs) Oh yeah. There's like two or three that come to mind right now. Um, I touched on it a little bit the other day, but it's kind of the same as yours. Like those lingering fear foods where I didn't think they were really a fear any longer, but they've definitely come up. Like for instance, the other day I had ordered takeout because I was just tired and like didn't want to make food. And I had subbed a certain ingredient. And then when I went and picked it up, they forgot to sub it. And typically I probably would have, you know, asked if like I could have gotten the sub and not you know, or just not have eaten it really. And I went home and I ate it and it was great. And I woke up the next day and I was like, you're totally fine. You know? So it's like, it's almost like you kind of got to put yourself, like you just got to challenge it. But yeah, I've definitely been finding myself like, for instance, like carbs were always like my fear food just in general. And I found myself kind of restricting those a little bit or like, you know, time restrictive eating, like, for me, a big one was like, I actually had to, and I've done it in the past, but taking a break from like my watch because it would be like, oh, if I hadn't hit, you know, a certain amount of steps by this time, you know, I'm going to push my lunch back a little bit more until I do that sort of thing, which again is something that I've struggled with in the past. And so I don't know, for me, it was just, it was scary, but at the same time, it was very like humbling and just really put me in check, I guess, which I think is 
perfectly fine to have to admit that. But yeah, so I don't know. For me, it's just huge to take actionable steps to just improve. So like when I notice that I am like, you know, looking at my watch too much or like focusing on steps or whatever it may be, you know, take a break from the watch. Or like I said, like the lingering fear foods, just challenging them and not letting them control my life. Another huge thing is like, me and Thomas don't ever eat the same foods. Like I'll literally make him like a completely different dinner. And sometimes I'll make him like really good stuff that I'm like, whoa, I really want that, but I won't let myself have it. Why? You know? Mm -hmm. And that's again, like the whole fear food thing. So I've been making us like the same dinners and enjoying that and just, you know, actively working towards just constantly challenging those thoughts. But yeah, those have been like the biggest ones for me, just, you know, restrictive tendencies. Yep. No, I so feel that. And it's funny, mine like relate so sort of similarly to yours where it was, uh, so I'm working at two hands, the restaurant here now. And uh, by the way, I would like literally book a ticket just to go there. Oh, you, you need (laughs) to come. Yes. I love it. And it's like the food's amazing, but gluten is something I've still I mean, you know, I've had my autoimmune issues in the past. Like I still have some stuff going on with my thyroid. There's a lot of like health stuff I still don't share on Instagram. And so because of that, like gluten is something I've still just been wary of reintroducing. And with two hands, they have this killer avocado toast on sourdough, you know, fresh sourdough, like best you can get here in Austin. And so since I've started working, I've had the sourdough toast with avocado probably like eight times now. Like I am ordering it before every shift. Yeah. And it was so funny because like the first day I decided to go for it, I felt like so many like little thoughts trying to invade my mind of like everything that could go wrong, right? Like you're going to be bloated. You're going to be constipated the next day. Like you're going to get, you know, like a rash or be tired, whatever it was. And I just like tried to calm down. I was like, no, I'm going to enjoy this. My body's going to accept it. I'm going to be fine. And sure enough, like I was, and I've had it so many times since, and it's so freeing. You know what I mean? To know that like I could go out with friends or someone here and just let myself get, you know, whatever it is I wanted. And then um, when it comes to like that kind of time, I feel like time constraints is something that can be pretty sneaky, right? Because for the longest time I said like, oh, I just like, don't like eating past like 8 PM because, um, and this is semi true, but I, for a long time I had like really bad acid reflex. So I couldn't eat past that time. Otherwise I would, I could not sleep. And, but then, you know, like I started to work on my gut issues and that wasn't an issue so much anymore, but I just always kept to that time of like, I can't eat past 8 PM and moving here. Like I said, I'm literally waitressing, getting home at like 11 or 1130. And the first night my instinct was to just not eat, even though, you know, I just come off of a seven hour shift. I was hungry. And I said, you know what? I'm eating. And I made myself, you know, like tacos. And then I had like a little brownie sundae. And you know what? I've done that every night since when I work a night shift and I've been absolutely fine. I sleep like a baby because my body is fueled all through the night. And then I wake up and I have energy to like start my day without like having to wake up immediately and like eat because I've been starved all night. Right. Like it's so crazy. These little things we don't realize we're doing until we're forced to really like work through them, embrace them. And then you're, you get on the other side and you're like, what the hell was I doing that for all this time? (laughs) 
<laughs> oh my gosh, seriously. Um, for a while, I was actually having like really, really bad sleep issues. Like I literally could not fall asleep. I couldn't stay asleep. I'd wake up at like 4 a.m. and just be like completely exhausted all day long. My mental clarity went down. Like it was just awful. And I think a huge part of that was, again, finding myself not allowing myself to eat past a certain time. And lately, like the past two weeks, people might think this is crazy, but having like fats and proteins before you go to bed can actually really improve your sleep quality. And so Mm -hmm. before I go to bed, like I'll legit have like a fat spoonful of like some sort of nut butter or like, I mean, whatever I'm feeling really, but, and it's been making the biggest difference. No. Yeah. And especially like as women, there's so much talk out there about intermittent fasting and um, all this stuff. And, you know, at the end of the day, you do you, if you have certain health issues, like understandable, whatever, but it's like so important to question, is this coming from a place of restriction or is this Mm -hmm. coming from a place of something else? And like, it's, I think for anyone also struggling with amenorrhea or like hormone struggles, like even that like long fast that so many of us do overnight, like I don't know. It's just like, it's something to consider. Like, can you add in a spoonful of peanut, you know, nut butter before you go to sleep or, or, you know, whatever it is you want to eat. It could be a cookie, a brownie, a taco, like whatever. Like, I just think like allowing yourself that freedom and exploring new things like in it too. But yeah, exactly. Uh, Well, you are absolutely amazing. And I just am so, so thankful you came on today. Where can I honored to that you had me this was so fun I just we could talk for hours but yeah so where can people find you and follow along after this discussion everyone remember be mindful of your social media but yeah where can people find follow along just sort of catch up on the day-to-day with Danny over on Instagram at Danny's Healthy Eats. And then I also have my blog. Um, it's just dannyshealthyeats.com. Trying to be better about posting on there. Um, I want to start writing blog posts weekly, but I'm not going to make any promises because <laughs> I can, yes. cannot hold myself to those. But I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. You've got but yeah, Instagram is where I'm most active. Perfect. Okay.